0: Welcome to Under the Influence, the podcast where we help chiropractors improve their communication skills so they can help more people and help people more. I'm your host Dr. Martin Harvey I'm a chiropractor and I'm an expert in communicating the value of chiropractic. Today on Under the Influence, it's all about clinical testing. It's all about What are the four keys to having a great exam, to delivering a great exam? Before we get into that, though, it's worthwhile just reflecting a little bit on what is the purpose of testing? What is the job that testing should perform? And the first one is that it needs to give us clinical information about people. It needs to let us know what is going on with that person and... Doing a good job in that regard helps in a number of ways. So i often hear from chiropractors that, what do I need to say for somebody to continue on care after the pain goes away? And it, to me, it's kind of less about what you need to say, but what you need to be to demonstrate. It, I'll also sometimes hear chiropractors, be uncertain about whether they should be continuing care with somebody who's let's say six weeks into care and their symptoms aren't changing or haven't changed much and the answer really is in your testing if their function is improving then and you have an understanding of the chronicity of their problem then it gives you an appropriate lens to decide no they're on track or well they are improving but we maybe need to tweak things to see if they can improve faster or no, things aren't changing at all and we need to radically change things or refer them out. But so there's that first part of it, the clinical piece of it and having a really great exam will help you have certainty in those areas and it will also help the person to understand uh, what's going on because the second purpose of it really is to give them an experience of their body either working or not working, so either this part of my spine doesn't work the way that it should, or further down the line when you retest, demonstrating that it is functioning better, because them having the experience has incredible value in terms of their understanding and belief systems. I'll unpack that uh, more in a moment. So before I get into the four keys to a great exam couple of quick announcements, uh, Grow Your Tribe, vismine my, my uh, collaborative seminar, it's going to be in Queensland 26th of August. So watch out for emails and announcements of that. If you're wanting to upgrade your communication and clinical skills from the comfort of your own home, then I would highly recommend that you check out the Certainty 2.0 program and or the Retention Recipe 2.0 program. They're my flagship Uh, online programs there are links in the show notes if you want to check them out and there are sample lessons there that you can um, access for free to just see if it resonates with you. So what are the four keys to a great exam? The first key is you've got to include tests that relate to your paradigm. So what do I mean by the chiropractic paradigm? There's a bunch of different ways that you could describe it But probably a useful starting point is that chiropractic is based on the idea that your body is self-regulating, self-healing and self-developing, that the nervous system is the master control system, and that chiropractic care is really based on... Uh, locating a common source of interference to the way the nervous system functions. And so removing that source of interference allows people's bodies to function better, to self-regulate better, to self-heal better, and to uh, self-develop better. Now, if we're not doing tests that give us insight into... The, that interference to that uh, that impact on the nervous system, that, that dysfunction in the spine, then we're not really going to have uh, the best use of our testing. So um, if we sort of unpack that in a slightly different way, we often talk about there being three different levels of health belief, three different ways that people use chiropractic, pain, prevention, and performance. So if all your testing is just in that pain part of the paradigm, if it's all orthopedic testing, pain-based provocation testing, then your testing is going to kind of run out of relevance to you in terms of giving you clinical information once somebody's not in pain. And so it won't be surprising if you lack certainty once people are out of pain. And as a reflection of that, it won't be surprising if people that you take care of lack certainty when they are no longer in pain so really critical that we need to um, test for things that uh, test for functions separate to pain so if we look at the um, prevention and performance aspects of our paradigm they're really predicated on the idea that you can have dysfunction you can have subluxation without necessarily having pain associated with it And so we need tests that align with that. So my take on that is there's a number of different uh, models of subluxation, but most of the contemporary models of subluxation are really predicated on the idea that subluxation is abnormal joint motion and or position that is impacting nervous system function negatively, that there's something going on with the joints in terms of uh, motion and alignment that's Uh, negatively impacting the way the nervous system works. And so we, to have a really great exam to give us that clinical clarity that we're delivering on the promise and also to create an experience for them, um, we need to have tests that look at all of those things. Um, So if we look then... uh, I would be looking at, uh, if I'm looking to choose particular tests, because there's going to be a bunch of different ways that we could measure joint motion position and nervous system function, I'm going to prioritise tests, and this is my second key. I'm going to include tests that are an experience for them. And why is that important? You see, from a communication perspective, We're looking to have people, if we're looking to help people in the biggest way with chiropractic and we're wanting to have people hang around over the long term so they get the maximum benefit for chiropractic care, we need to realize that they need to, we need to sort of create a change in their belief system from a predominant belief system in our culture that um, health is really about how you feel and you go to a chiropractor or any other healthcare provider when you have pain and then you stop when the pain goes away. To a prevention level of health awareness where people recognize that you can have a problem without necessarily having a symptom. And then ultimately to a performance level of health awareness where people have the understanding that having a body that functions better helps you do everything better. And that's particularly valuable in terms of helping you do the things that are the things you love to do or see as your role in life, your identity to do. So in terms of changing belief systems, we recognize that in the influence literature, there's really a hierarchy of influence. And at the very top of that are the things that people experience. And at the very bottom of that are the things that people tell us that don't already align with our belief systems. So if we're wanting to have people have an experience, um, then we wanna prioritize tests that they kind of have an experience, they feel something, they can sense that something isn't working right. So my faves, if we're looking then at um, joint motion, palpation, where you can demonstrate, look, feel this area, can you feel that that joint is moving? Can you feel when I press this way, though, on the left side of L4, that that doesn't move properly? Now, to us, because we've got the curse of knowledge, we, we've we been doing this for days, months, years, decades. We It's sort of a, oh, that's not an important thing. But for people, if you imagine somebody who is very much in that pain level of health belief, and you can demonstrate in a non-painful area of their spine that there's a problem then that's an experience that they're feeling. Yes, I can feel that there's a difference there. And that demonstrates something that can only really be resolved by uh, developing at least a prevention level of health awareness, which is that you can have a problem and not necessarily having, have a symptom. So it's a really powerful way of helping people rapidly go up in their level of health belief. Even better in some ways than palpation, because people can interpret that as you're just pressing differently, or it can be a more subtle experience, so some people won't pick up on it, is using range of motion testing, particularly using inclinometry, where you can demonstrate for somebody, where can you feel that you don't move as far to the left as you do to the right? And again, that demonstrates that there is a lack of movement there and can make that bridge from a pain level to a prevention level. The key being that you've got to do it in areas that aren't necessarily painful to get the maximum value out of it. Um, I also think in terms of the joint position, that posture is an important thing. For it to have the communication perspective. So from a clinical perspective, you can use any way of assessing posture. From a communication perspective, there's a real upside to using something like Posture Screen Mobile where you can demonstrate to them, they can see, they have an experience of, yeah, that's me and I can see that I'm out of balance from a nervous system perspective i think one of the most powerful experiential ways of demonstrating the impact of chiropractic care on the nervous system is through balance testing um, so there's different ways you can do it you can do single-legged testing you can do Fukuda's testing uh, a modified fakudas um, but they are powerful exp- clinical uh, they give powerful clinical information to us that yes we are impacting the nervous system and they also are a powerful experience of, for people of, wow, I had no idea that I had this issue. So the the third key then, if the first key is we've got to in- include tests that relate to our paradigm, the second test is we've got to include tests that are an experience for them. The third test is we want to, from a communications perspective, pre-frame what the tests mean before we do them. So. Pre-framing is really based on the idea, well framing generally is the idea that we don't judge anything in absolute terms, we judge it relative to other things. So if we're judging, a, if we're looking at pre-framing, essentially what we're trying to do is give people the reference point before they have the experience of having the test so that they... Notice a lot, we're getting them to focus on one particular aspect of that experience. And when we focus on one thing, that drives our perception. And bottom line is, perception drives people's reality. So, uh, if we're wanting to change beliefs, if we're wanting to have people ascend from a pain level to a prevention level to a performance level, by choosing, using our communication to uh, get them to focus on particular things, then it helps them. Uh, change their reality from that pain to prevention to performance. So um, how does this work? Well bottom line is we want to tell somebody what the test is designed to show before we do it. So if we were pre-framing for instance palpation we might say well so what I'm looking for here are areas where the spine isn't moving properly. They're areas of what we call subluxation where the joint isn't moving properly and it's impacting the way the nervous system works. What that means for you is they'll offer, you might be able to feel the stiffness or restriction to movement when I try and get it to move, but you may also feel tenderness because the nerve is misfiring. Um, If we were pre-framing range of motion testing, we might say something like, so these areas, when they're out of balance, will often impact how well you can bend, uh, move, and twist, and so often these areas you'll be able to go further one way than the other, and then we go into our testing. Uh, when we, if we're pre-framing our balance testing, we might say something like, "So, I mentioned that those areas are negatively impacting the way your nervous system works. Nervous system is kind of the master control system that runs how your whole body works, and the window that we have to observe that is balance, because when you're balancing, you're." Body is sending signals to your brain about where all the different bits are in space, and then your brain is sending signals out to your muscles and so on to, to alter your position to keep yourself in the same posture. If that's being interfered with, it's going to be harder for you to do that, and so that's what the balance testing tells us. So, What we have so far in terms of our keys to a great exam is including tests that relate to our paradigm, including tests that are an experience for them. We want to use our communication to pre-frame that. And then the fourth and final, and in many ways, most critical thing is we've got to retest. We've got to redo those testing um, to demonstrate to ourselves that, yeah, I am delivering on the promise. There's no point just doing a test right at the beginning and then not looking at what happens further down the line. From a communication perspective, it's also going to demonstrate to them there was this deficit at the beginning and now you're doing this much better now. And that also that the uh, ability to demonstrate, yes, we're doing better and there's more to go also helps to bridge to the need for further care. A critical thing for retesting to work well is to pre-frame it by before you do the testing, let them know how they went or remind them how they went with the previous bout of testing so that they're, again, we're talking framing, we're choosing the reference point for them. We're choosing to frame their uh, where they're at now relative to where they started so that they're seeing progress rather than relative to what's optimal where they're still feeling like, oh, look, I'm not really getting anywhere. So you need to give them a frame of both to some degree, but it's really important that we include, this is where you started, this is where you're at, this is where you need to be so that they can see that uh, path for them. And that path is really a key to people staying on course, staying engaged, and getting the best results. So thanks for listening, and I'll catch you again next week. If you like today's episode, then you will love the Retention Recipe 2.0. It's an online workshop that is broken into 33 lessons and has over 7 hours of content which will teach you to confidently communicate the value of proactive chiropractic in the first 12 visits. So if we want to have long-term retention, if we want people to stay with us for months, years, and reap the really amazing health benefits that happen with long-term chiropractic care, we need to set the foundation for that in the first 12 visits. So the approaches in the retention recipe 2.0 are based on state-of-the-art influence strategies that are effective, ethical, and they're enjoyable to use. They will help you to have more fun, less stress, and increase your retention, which means more practice growth and less always being on the hunt for new people. Check it out in the link in the show notes.